0: Written by A Mysterious Lurker I rarely went out drinking, never by myself and only if I was invited out by my friends or co-workers and having a few, but I never had the goal of getting drunk. On a cold fall night, I hesitated outside a bar I'd never entered before, before watching my breath come out in white puffs. I wanted to get drunk that night, just black out the next few hours no matter the cost. This wasn't like how I normally felt, but my life now didn't feel normal. After that day, it was as if the world shifted into a darker one and I couldn't return to how things were before. A weight of guilt pressed on my back and into the bar. I sat alone at the wooden bar, half listening to the random soccer game rerun on the mounted flat screens off to the side. I started off slow with a beer or two, and letting myself feel miserable for a time before I drank something heavier. Picking at the damp label of the bottle, the dark feeling that drove me to this place started to overpower the rest of my senses. Someone sat next to me at the bar and ordered a beer, only to find himself a little short. He looked through a wrinkled gray suit jacket for a few seconds, muttering that he had more change somewhere. On reflex, I put down a few dollars on the counter to cover his drink and a tip for the bartender. The man turned his head towards me and gave me a half smile as thanks. My head was a bit hazy from the drinks already, but I sobered up a small bit seeing the man's face. A shock went down my spine, some sort of instinct telling me to run. I shook it off, wondering where the hell that feeling came from. He didn't look dangerous or the kind of person you should avoid in a dark alley. His hair gray and pushed back with some strands coming loose, making him look like he was overdue for a haircut. His face didn't look old enough to be fully gray. A few wrinkles appeared at the corner of his mouth when he smiled, making me think he was only 10 years older than myself. His gray suit jacket and scuffed shoes made him appear like an underpaid office worker going to the bar for a drink after a long day. I brushed off the first jolt of that odd feeling seeing him and got back to drinking. I thought he wouldn't want to talk and just have his beer and then leave. I sensed eyes on me when I downed my last drink debating on getting something stronger. That dark feeling came back, slowly drowning out the sounds of the bar. My stomach twisted and hands trembled slightly with images of the news report coming to mind. The reason why I came wanting to get blacked out, making my mouth taste bitter. Having a bad night. The voice cut through my feelings, causing me to swim back up through them to the present. The man sat backwards on the stool to lean against the bar and placed both elbows on the counter. His head tilted in my direction and a half smile on his face. His voice sounding as if he smoked a pack every day of his life since he'd been born. His tone so low, I was surprised to even hurt him. Here I thought talking to random strangers over a drink was something that only happened in movies or books. I never went out of my way to talk to someone out in public. That was for sure. It's complicated, I told him, looking away, feeling far too raw. You covered my drink. The least I can do is listen," the stranger offered with another smile that unnerved me. His body relaxed, and yet he gave off the air of a hunter. He wanted to hear the reason why he felt so miserable for his own enjoyment. "'What are you, a therapist?' I shot back with a small sound of displeasure. "'A therapist would cost a lot more than half the price of a single beer,' he replied, with a smile turning into something a bit warmer. I hated the fact I laughed a little at his answer. Talking to a random stranger was safer than getting completely trashed that night. I doubted he would honestly care about anything I said and just wanted to pass some time. I collected myself, trying to figure out the best way to word what got me into this downward spiral. I worked at a restaurant during the day. I have a night job, so those shifts were fine for me. The restaurant normally got busy at dinner time and the tips were better, so I tried to pick up a night shift when I wasn't at my other job. A new girl started a month ago, Abby. She wasn't even 20 yet. I needed to stop talking for a moment, my throat getting tight and the words not wanting to come. The stranger waited patiently, his bottle of beer long since dismissed for something much more interesting. I didn't know what went on on the night shift. The night manager acted really creepy around all the younger girls they hired until they quit because of him. I found out about it when I took a later shift and saw him push past Abby and touched her on purpose. I threatened to kick his ass if he did that again, and he threatened to fire me. I think seeing someone defend her made Abby feel better about opening up about what the guy had been doing. She dismissed most of it as accidents, though. I stopped to drink the rest of my drink, hating how the rest of this story turned out. The man leaned back a little, wanting to hear more, but worried if he pressed, I would shut down. I knew telling him all of this didn't mean anything. it wouldn't change the past or bring back a poor girl who did nothing wrong. I went to the owner and brought proof of what went down. He fired me shortly after, and I figured out then the manager was his cousin. A man who had already done time for stalking and assault and should never have been around younger girls. I started getting ready to sue them for firing me for no reason. That doesn't matter now. I should have focused on getting her to a safe place or drag the cops over before. I stopped again, my stomach turning. Before. The low tone came, the man leaning down as if we were sharing a secret. I heard on the news Abby was found dead, strangled and assaulted. Jesus, she was only 19. If I had said something to the right person, she would be alive. I can't stop thinking about that. I should have done so much more for her. The man leaned back, mentally chewing on what I told him. I didn't expect him to say anything comforting. I wanted to punish myself, telling the story hurt. Not enough, though. It just wasn't fair a girl lost her life and the man who did it wasn't arrested yet. They claim they don't have enough evidence yet, but by the time they do, he'll be long gone, targeting another girl. I wonder if some people go to church because they relate to the whole dying for other sins idea. You can do nothing wrong in life and yet feel guilty for others' actions. Here you are, blaming yourself for death and yet you did nothing to cause it. Is your ego so large you think you're on the same level as the son of God? He was still leaning against the counter, smug look on his face. My face flushed red and rage filled up my stomach. I was to blame for at least some of what happened. This guy tried to twist it all around, wanted to punch that look off his face. Seeing my rage, his face only brightened. I realized that I felt something besides self-pity. He wanted me to get angry at someone besides myself. You're an ass, aren't you? I asked, my rage simmering down. You figure that out fast. Do you smoke? He pulled out a package of cigarettes from his suit pocket and I shook my head. I quit a year ago when I couldn't afford them. No, not anymore, I said, wondering if he was just going to leave if I refused to have a smoke with him. One won't hurt you. Come outside and clear your head. A hand landed on my shoulder. For some reason, I listened to him. I never talked to strangers, let alone follow them into the parking lot of a bar to accept a cigarette. The man pulled out a cheap orange disposable lighter that needed a few tries to get it to work. I shuddered in the cold, wrapping my arms under each other to stay warm. The smoke break and the chilly air did clear my head a little. Better after I recovered from hacking up a lung from taking a drag for the first time in over a year. It's not your fault, you know. The only one responsible for that girl's death is the one who took her life. I pressured you into smoking, but you made the choice to come outside. Even if that man had a gun to his head and it was his life or hers, he would still be the one to choose his life." I wasn't expecting that kind of talk from someone who looked as scruffy as he did. I coughed again, the freezing air and smoke hurting my lungs. I thought about what he said. It all made sense, and I knew what he was getting at, and yet I couldn't accept it. If I had just gotten her somewhere safe, a girl I barely knew would still be alive. How could I not be to blame for that? A dangerous glint came into his eyes when he knew I simply couldn't forgive myself. If that man gets arrested, would it make you feel better? He questioned. His voice took on a different tone than before, a hint of excitement in the words. He reminded me of a spider watching a fly get closer and closer to the web. The question, lead up to a trap I wasn't aware of just yet. Yes, I said right away. My head turned, feeling the weight of the lie. No, he's alive, she's not. How is that fair at all? My words sounded thick in my mouth and my shoulders shook from emotions. I played it off as if it was just the cold. I didn't turn around when the other man took a step closer. He was right behind me. I could smell the smoke of his cigarette mixing in with my own. Alarm bells went off in my head and yet I didn't leave or move away. Goosebumps rose in my arms and my body tense, waiting for his voice. Would you like to even the score? The words came on the back of my neck and cemented into my brain. My heart twisted over the truth of it all. I did want to make it fair. I wanted the killer dead. I didn't have any say in the matter though. I wasn't Abby's family, just a co-worker for a short while. I had no right answering the stranger in my back. The answer still came. Would you do that for me? I asked, carefully looking over my shoulder, unaware what kind of person I just met. His gray eyes flickered in the darkness. A silver light glinted, but only lasted long enough for me to assume I was seeing things. His mouth turned into a smile, and for some reason I thought his teeth looked too sharp. I never should have spoken to him. Getting drunk and wallowing in my grief would have been a better outcome for that night. Besides the whole moral debate, I risked getting arrested for murder if this man actually went through with my request. I'll take care of this for you. You did cover my drink, and don't worry about the police getting involved. The way I do things never causes the ones who hire me to get in any legal trouble, but I do ask you be present for the confrontation." He started to walk around me and searched around his suit jacket for something. He handed over a card with his number handwritten on it, A scrap of paper feeling heavy in my hand, my brain reeling from the idea of what I had agreed to. A man's life or half the cost of a beer, I said mostly to myself people have died for less that man didn't think much of that girl's life now did he i agreed with that statement my cigarette already burned out leaving no reason to stay outside i still had time to clear my head and cancel all of this told the other man the name of the manager although he could have easily found it by checking today's news he walked off into the night with a promise to call in the next few days i wanted to regret what i had just put in motion Abby's face and the ever he parents needing to bury her removed all feelings of doubt. That man needed to be taken care of before he hurt another person. Turns out, we didn't stop that from happening. The call came two nights after I met the man at the bar. I wanted to believe I dreamed up the entire encounter. An unknown number came through on my cell. Right away, I knew it wasn't a scam caller. I let it ring for a moment letting my thumb hover over the screen. You doing anything tonight? The voice asked, not even bothering to confirm he got the right number. We didn't even introduce ourselves yet. Now we were planning a murder. Tonight? I questioned, pulse racing. Best to get it done and over with. Unless you have something more important to do. Got a hot date? (laughs) He finished his question with a faint laugh. Still a chance to back out, I reminded myself. I shook my head and steeled my resolve. My entire body wanted me to run from my phone by my brain forcing me to stay still. We can do this tonight, I told him, the words weighing on my shoulders. Great, come pick me up at the bar we met at. I don't have a car. He hung up, leaving me to stew on what I was doing. We were going to kill someone. Did that put me on the same level as the manager? No, I decided. He assaulted Abby, then killed her. I felt positive the manager only strangled her when he panicked, thinking she might report him to the police. The man did not deserve the freedom he killed a girl for. My muscles tense the entire drive to the bar. The sun already set due to how late in the season it had become. No one else was really out on the roads, and that suited me just fine. Every time a car passed, it felt like they knew what my plans were for that night. That a driver would pull over and call the police to stop us. No one but myself and the accomplice knew of the plan though. I saw him waiting outside and didn't stub out his cigarette when he got into the passenger seat. He rolled on the window and let the smoke out. I hated the idea of my car smelling like smoke, but was too wired to bring it up. Should we uh, give each other our names? I finally asked. He put a location in his phone and put the volume up for the direction so I knew where to go. His face turned into a smile that didn't suit someone on the way to do such a grim task. You don't need to give me yours, but I go by Graves, he explained. I stopped at a red light looking him over. Gray suit jacket, gray pants, gray hair and eyes. Color reminded me of a gravestone. Rolling my eyes, I focused on the road ahead. Isn't that a bit on the nose? I said, causing him to laugh a little. That calmed me down enough to keep driving the GPS directed us to a regular neighborhood, one a bit more run down than others, but still a place where people can raise their kids. The grass on each lawn was a different length, showing no HOA had put up shop here. I parked across the street from the address given, all the blood rushing from my limbs to my head, thinking how we were gonna do this. What were we gonna do? Break in? Shoot him? Stab him? Would it be bloody? The lights were on, so we needed to wait until the ones inside went to sleep. What if he live with someone else? I didn't get a chance to ask any of these questions. Graves got out of the car and started to walk right over to the house. Hey, wait, I called after him. He already reached the front door by the time I got halfway across the road. He knocked and patiently waited. Really? He was just going to knock. An older woman opened the door and my heart sank. We had the wrong house. I knew it. We needed to get the hell out of here. To my horror, he pushed past her, calling out the manager's name. This already turned into a huge mess. The woman didn't notice me, was more worried about the strange man inside her house. I stopped at the open doorway, as if an invisible force kept me out. I pushed past it, my entire body itching. Graves, what the hell are you doing? I questioned, but my voice lacked any force. I saw the woman and wanted to go over to her and explain I was gonna drag the intruder the hell out of her house. A sight caused me to freeze. Grace suddenly started to run through the open doorway. A second person easily heard running towards the back door. In under a minute, he came back dragging my old night manager into the living room by his shirt collar. The woman started to scream, begging us to leave and demanding to know what we wanted with her son. I couldn't answer. I never imagined another person getting dragged into all of this and felt lost. There was no way I could tell her we arrived to kill her son, but Graves could say those words. This man killed an innocent little girl, so he decided he shouldn't be alive anymore. He answered in such a calm voice it caused my blood to turn to ice water. The mother threw herself on the stranger, making Graves let go of his shirt. Neither of them tried to run as she sobbed, holding her adult son. Don't! He's the only thing I have left of my husband. I can't lose them both! She begged in a heavy voice. I honestly didn't care about that. This man should be in prison because he wasn't a girl died. She wasn't entitled to keep her child when that meant other parents needed to bury theirs. She was that little slut. (laughs) Graves didn't let the man finish his sentence. He kicked out his foot, smashing the manager's nose with his heel. Blood sprayed and poured down his face, the nose broken from the kick from the looks of things. The next few moments went by so fast. None of us really had a chance to process it. The manager grabbed a gun he had hidden in the waistband of his sweatpants. His mother saw the weapon and threw herself into a struggling match, trying to get it away. She didn't want to watch her son kill anyone or watch someone hurt a little boy. I took two steps forward, ready to end this fight and just leave. All noise disappeared to be replaced by one muffled pop between the two of them. We all went as still as statues. Grave staring down, his gray eyes wide in an unreadable emotion. The mother fell to the side and I ran over to her frantic, Blood soaked through her dress from a small point in her chest, my hands flying to the spot, putting pressure in a vain attempt to save her life. Warm blood seeped through my fingers, making them feel slick and sticky at the same time. I cried, begging for someone to call for help, the others in the room not moving in the slightest. Graves broke first. A small snicker of a laugh came, then another. Soon he bent over to let out a terrible, wheezing laugh. I hated him in the moment for that. I wanted to avenge Abby, but not get another innocent person killed. His name clicked and I realized he really picked something incredibly accurate for his gruesome hobby. His laughing fit made the manager snap. He turned the weapon on Graves, getting one shot off. The man turned into a blur of gray. Suddenly he was on the ground behind the man with the gun, holding his wrists and wrapping his arms around the other man. I watched Graves force the manager to bring the barrel of the gun ever closer to his own chin. The manager struggled, but Graves didn't even look as if he put that much strength into forcing the man's arms back. My brain caught up too slowly. I shouted for him to stop at the same moment the gun went off for a second time. Graves stood up, wrinkles appearing at the corners of his eyes from a wide smile. Too dead because of me. I never should have spoken to this man. She's dead. Let's go. Graves said in a soft voice that made my skin crawl. I looked down at the mother, her eyes still open but nothing behind them. I couldn't move my legs, nothing happened when I told myself to stand up. The other man grabbed a hold of my upper arm and forcefully made me stand. Step by step, we left the house. I faintly wondered why no one called the police yet or came to see what happened due to all the noise. I was shoved into my passenger seat, grave starting the car to leave behind the crime scene. We drove for an unknown amount of time, my brain not processing anything because of the shock. I got dragged out of the car again and into a bathroom. I finally realized he parked at a truck stop and wanted me to use the bathroom sink to wash the blood off my hands. Seeing the dark color staining my hands, I nearly got sick. I hurried over to the line of sinks and didn't bother with soap, just let the hot water run over my hands, scrubbing with tears coming to my eyes. I stayed at the sink for a while, using as much soap as I could, and yet the blood stuck. My hands became raw from scrubbing, but I didn't stop. I let out a yelp of fear when Grave stood behind to wrap his hands around mine. He forced them under the water, keeping them still. He also turned the temperature down, so I stopped burning layers of skin off of them. Don't burn yourself. Let them soak. Blood gets under your nails and stays for a while. His voice right beside my ear, making my body shake. Having him like this looked so similar to how he forced the manager to shoot himself. The embrace held a dark undertone instead of comfort. My eyes went to the mirror and nearly fainted, seeing a shadow come over his face, his pupils shining a bright white in the dark. A light flickered off in the bathroom, then another. The room turned pitch black with only two pinpricks of white lights coming from his eyes. A hot breath came on my neck. I jerked back my hands, only to have him interlace his fingers with my own, making them stand under the hot, running water. My heart stopped for a second when another set of eyes appeared in the mirror, then another, then another. More of those pinpricks of light swam through the dark. I heard the sounds of faces appearing on my back and could only see those lights, each head darting back and forth, twisting into each other. Soft sounds of animals echoed through the bathroom, almost overpowering the running water. I haven't eaten a good meal in some time. Would you be so kind as to spare? Graves' voice changed. It sounded deeper and rough, almost inhuman. He thankfully didn't get a chance to finish the question. A trucker opened the bathroom door, the lights coming back on the moment the other person stepped inside. Graves returning to a human form, and his body tense when we were caught in such an odd position. Through my fear, I realized the other man was still holding my hands from behind. That made the whole situation look very different to the newcomer. Uh, I can leave if you guys want to finish what you're doing. The trucker offered an, an embarrassed drawl. We were just leaving. The monster of a man said, almost sounding embarrassed. He grabbed me around the waist so we could flee the bathroom and back to my car. I didn't get inside, just leaned against it, slowly falling down the side into the ground. Wet hands starting to freeze in the night air. Sensation giving me something else to focus on. Sorry for that little moment. I haven't relieved much in a bit. Lost control for a second. Graves apologized and sat on the curb nearby. He pulled out a smoke, but his lighter gave out on him. He used a set of matches he picked up at some hotel or casino. I should have got the hell out of there, but the night drained my strength. That woman is dead. I brought you there. I killed her, I said, finally pushing the words out. Her son bought the gun, grabbed it, kept his finger on the trigger. Killed a girl that caused you to be so upset you brought me along. He's more at fault than anyone, he offered. Then why can't I forgive myself? Why don't I feel better at all knowing he won't hurt anyone else? Why am I... My words faded as I broke out into tears hard sobbing that hurt my chest. The breakdown so heavy and hard it only lasted a few minutes. My body couldn't keep up crying at that pace. The other man didn't say anything or look disgusted by my sudden breakdown. He lit another cigarette off his nearly finished one. Walking over, he bent low to place one end so close to my lips it nearly forced it into my mouth. You're a good person and I'm not. I like watching people like you go through shit like this. If you're going to hate anyone, hate me for even offering to kill that man in the first place. I accepted the smoke, hurting my lungs so soon after I nearly busted a rib from sobbing. I wanted to hate Graves, but he made it very hard when he sounded so damn gentle. He straightened up and I punched his leg for giving me so many mixed signals. He took the hit, but skittered away before I could get him again. Now what? I asked, feeling exhausted. You never see me again. You'll never be legally responsible for their deaths and you'll blame yourself over what happened for the rest of your life," he explained with a shrug. I stared at him, trying to figure him out. He wasn't human, that was for certain. I oddly accepted that idea right away. It was natural for a monster to kill and hurt people without a second thought or reason. Yet a feeling nagged in the back of my mind. He was a monster. No human could ever see him as anything but that. The ash of my cigarette dropped to my pants and I let a small ember slightly burn my jeans. The only way Graves made connections was in a negative way. I would never really be able to forget about this night and deep down, he wanted that. Maybe more than he wanted to have fun watching others die or suffer by his own hands. You're a pretty lonely person, aren't you? I asked. My words caught him off guard. I don't think anyone ever asked him such a thing before. An expression came over his face that didn't suit him in the slightest, confirming my theory. He shoved his hands deep into his pants pockets, trying to think of a way to dispute what I said. I need to get going. It's not best if I hang around you this hungry. I might just take a bite. And that won't do it all. I didn't argue with him over leaving. He mentioned he didn't have a car, but I knew he would have no problem getting to wherever he needed to be next. debated on calling the cops, then decided against it. If he wasn't human, he must have a way to sway the police in the way he wants. No, Graves would travel around offering the same deal to people like me. If for some reason you come across him, you really need to keep his name in mind. Taking revenge always ends up with collateral damages. Even if that mother didn't die that night, she would have lost someone she loved. Death ripples outwards, regardless if the person is loved or not. Death changes the world in ways you might not understand. You just need to decide if you're able to deal with the unforeseen aftermath of your actions. Thank you for listening. You can handle another horror story, right? But he never had the goal of getting drunk. This will require acting.